anybody can do what we're doing. I, I want people to know that um, if you're a thoughtful, caring coach, you can coach adaptive athletes 100%. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Alec Zirkenbach, Executive Director of Adaptive Training Academy. Alec is a military veteran, trainer, athlete, and entrepreneur who has played a key role in growing the adaptive athletic community in and around CrossFit. Through his work at Adaptive Training Academy, Alec has helped develop numerous training courses and modules to help coaches improve their understanding of and ability to train both able-bodied and adaptive athletes. This conversation with Alec is a great look into how far the community has come, along with what work can still be done to improve access and fitness. Before we get into that conversation, I want to give a quick shout out to today's episode sponsor, Airwave. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece represents 15 years of research and development conducted with elite athletes to perfect the most efficient way of opening the airway and optimizing performance. The Airwave mouthpiece may improve the width of your airway by up to 9%, which can reduce respiratory rate and increase exercise endurance. Learn more at airwave.com. That's A-I-R-W-A-A-V.com. Now let's get on with the show. Alec, thanks so much for joining us. I got to say, we're a couple of weeks removed from the CrossFit Games. It was awesome meeting you in person for the first time, by the way. And, and I have to say, uh, I didn't almost didn't recognize you at first because you're much taller than I expected. So I'm not sure if you get that a lot in the CrossFit community. You know, I do sometimes, especially this past year, just uh, meeting people on Zoom and just talking to others just uh, virtually. You know, you only get to see shoulders up, so you really don't know how tall somebody is. And I, I think you told me at the games, you know, you just expect every CrossFitter to be, you know, 5'7 to 5'10. And uh, you don't expect like Falkowski kind of to, to show up and pop up when you, when you meet him. I'm just expecting everyone to be like rich froning sized, right? That's yeah. like that's like the barometer I have. And anyone who's yeah, sure. Fikowski, I'm just like, I'm like craning my neck up. I'm like, oh hey, hey man, nice to nice to see you. So um, but it was awesome meeting you in person. You you were, I mean, obviously extremely busy uh coming off the games. And I really want to dive into your your games experience. Um, looking back, you know kind of your your recap and debrief and then also looking forward. But I also want to dive into a little bit about your background, how how you got involved in the fitness community the way you you did, your your career so far with ATA, Adaptive Training Academy. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a little background as far as kind of your your fitness journey up to this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love playing sports, whole life, just playing sports and being active, uh, mainly team ball sports type of things. So I'm not too good at the balance sports. Even though I live in San Diego, I still <laughs> suck at surfing. I'm learning to ski, but I'm not too good at it just yet. Uh, but playing sports, soccer and lacrosse are my two big sports. Um, played those my whole life. Played uh, lacrosse in college at, at Virginia Tech on their club team. Um, uh, joined the Navy, became an officer in the Navy right out of college. Uh, that sent me to San Diego. Uh, still just playing everything I could possibly do, you know, beach volleyball, everything, you know, that was my, that was my fitness was just playing sports. I really, you know, I went to the gym, but it was just 
you know, something I knew I had to do and I didn't enjoy it that much. Um, I just started to dabble into CrossFit, San Diego CrossFit, the original San Diego CrossFit. Went there for about, I think, a month. Couldn't even do kipping pull-ups. Didn't really learn anything. And then uh, went on a deployment in the Navy. Had a really bad injury uh, that led me to almost losing my leg and having a minor spinal cord injury. Um, I didn't walk for almost nine months. Was in a wheelchair. Lots of uh, surgeries, recovery surgeries. Uh, it was a really de- uh, debilitating time, and uh, I, you know, became depressed because I wasn't doing my job anymore. I didn't have a purpose in my life. I was just, you know, basically rehabbing. I uh, didn't know where I was going to go in my life. And then, you know, luckily, I was I was working for a public affairs officer for an admiral, and uh, one of his assistants, uh, their husband was a CrossFit coach uh, at a gym. At, at Throwdown, which is uh, which is actually Victory, uh, which uh, Jocko Willick now owns, so it, it had changed over. But it was nothing special of a CrossFit gym. It was in a racquetball court in the back of like an old YMCA or something. That sounds, um, it was, that sounds like classic old school CrossFit. I mean, it was an afterthought. I think somebody there just decided, hey, let's fill this with a CrossFit. Let's find a CrossFit coach and put it in there. No big deal. And you know, it. I don't remember the instruction being spectacular. I don't remember anything being great about it. They had like three squat racks and like one pull-up bar that went all the way across the racquetball court. Um, but that place, I, I got kind of, they asked me to go back. Uh, I got kind of tricked into going and then I went, but then, you know, the first day was squats and, you know, I, I had been doing, doing squats and I knew I could do a lot of weight and doing the first day, I think I did the barbell and I was barely able to stand up and I didn't have much balance. And, you know, I was still using crutches at the time. And I was really hard on myself. And there was the supportive community. Everybody was like clapping and being like, hey, you're doing great. Good job. You know, we'll see you again tomorrow, right? And uh, I kept coming back. And, you know, that that community support uh, literally saved my life uh, because I don't know if I would have gone down a dark place after that, not having a purpose in my life. And, um, you know, I, I owe everything to the CrossFit community uh, for that, for that second chance of a happy and healthy life. Um the, the training, you know, was effective as we all know, and it, it got me back on my feet. Uh, I was able to do two more tours in the Navy because of that. So I went and I switched gyms eventually, uh, to a little bit bigger and a more instructed type of gym and, uh, went on two more tours. Uh, one of those, I actually lived in the middle East and I was living in Kuwait at the time and they had a, a small little army camp and a little gym. And I met one of the L1 Flowmasters, Chris Russell, who, uh, owned CrossFit Jacks. You know, I was doing CrossFit. He was doing CrossFit. Everybody else was doing bodybuilding stuff. So we're kind of looking at each other like, hey, what are you doing? What are you, you know, what are you doing? And then we like got together. You know, we started doing CrossFit workouts together. Uh, him being a flow master, he's just blowing my mind because I had just started dabbling in CrossFit. No clue what I was doing. I just loved it. And so he's teaching me technique and, you know, telling me to read the CrossFit journal. And I'm just downloading every article possible and, and on watch five hours straight reading like 30, 40 articles. And that's how I went through the entire CrossFit journal in like a couple of months, you know. Um, so eventually we, we kind of grew that in Kuwait and more and more people wanted to start working out with us. So we actually grew it and started a military affiliate. Uh, and it was just one class a day, you know, Chris would lead the classes. Uh, and then eventually he was leaving, going back home. His tour was over. He was like, Hey, I'm going to pass this off to you. And I, was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. So I, I took leave, ended up going to Switzerland, got my L1, uh, came back, still no clue what I'm doing, but had to start running, you know, classes of 20 people at a time. And, and we're talking true functional fitness. We had, you know, rusty barbells, a couple kettlebells, no bumper plates, no rig system, pull-up bars. So we're doing 
we're doing box jumps onto like uh, concrete Jersey barriers, carrying ammo cans, you know, you know, doing runs outside in 120 degree heat coming back inside, you know, it was, it was fun. It was, I look back and that's probably one of the, the best times of my life. Just even though I was stuck in this little army camp, uh, and it, we couldn't go outside and it didn't have a lot of things to do. You know, I was learning so much from teaching and reading the CrossFit journal and it, it was a really awesome time. Um, I eventually came home from that. Uh, I got medically retired from the Navy because I, I can't feel my right foot or ankle. So not being on unstable services, like a, like a ship is not good for me. Uh, decided to open my own CrossFit gym when I came home and, uh, that was fathom CrossFit opened that in 2013 and immediately started a rec therapy program with, uh, the Naval hospital there at Balboa. And so started a rec therapy program and had some support from other PTs. Um, but you know, I had no clue what I was doing, working with other people with disabilities. I just knew that they needed a space that they could go and feel like somebody was going to be there to say, it's okay, we'll take care of you. We'll figure this out. Uh, and, and really that supportive community. So started running that class once a week for ever since 2013. And then 2017 CrossFit, uh, kind of got wind of what we were doing and asked us to create or asked me to create a specialty course, the CrossFit specialty course, adaptive training. So I knew, I knew I needed to get some other smart, you know, experienced people involved. So, you know, reached out to Kevin Ogar, uh, reached out to Logan Aldridge, uh, Chris Stoutenberg, uh, among other people to help me develop that course. And we did and ran that for CrossFit as a specialty course until 2019 when all the specialty courses became independent. And that's when we created adaptive training Academy, uh, to continue running that education for the community. So we still run that course. Uh, it's now called the adaptive and inclusive trainer, uh, certification course. Um, and we still provide that education in seminar format, but also in two different online formats, a self-paced and a four week cohort, uh, online format. Um, and the big news now is, uh, you know, we've been doing that and it, we feel, we feel very effective educating the community and getting trainers to, uh, learn how to work with people with disabilities so we can actually make CrossFit gyms inclusive, inclusive, right? Anybody who walks and rolls in your door, the idea is they can have the same great workout that anybody else in the class has. Um, but it only goes so far. And uh, typically people with disabilities have more barriers to entry. Uh, they have travel, uh, accommodation restrictions. They have higher financial costs, such as medications and healthcare, um, just living costs. And so it's tough for them to pay for a good CrossFit gym membership, which may be 200 plus dollars a month. Um, and also the gyms, I know that they want to offer services. Like I did, my class was a voluntary pro bono class for, you know, eight years or six years. And it, it becomes a little bit of a burden after a while to, to give your free time, your space, your energy. And so we are converting to a nonprofit so that we can really be more effective in the community, not only provide education, but also provide resources. So either financial resources for um, gym memberships, financial resources to run adaptive or inclusive programs, whether that be one class a month or one class a week, and then also financial resources to buy adaptive equipment. Um, you may need active hands to help somebody grip onto a barbell or a dumbbell. You may need a wider ski erg base because wheelchairs don't fit into the traditional ski erg base. You can't get close enough. So lots of different things that we can help you with in the community. And, and we've just, we just filed our paperwork, so we're not actually active yet, but we have all these things in the works and we're, we're planning it out. But we're really excited. Um, as soon as we get that back, we're going to be rolling. We'll get back to that in just a second. But first, a word from our episode sponsor, Airwave. Visit airwave.com, 
That's A-I-R-W-A-A-V.com to learn why four-time fittest man on earth, Rich Froning, uses the airwave mouthpiece to increase his performance in training and competition. Now let's get back to the show. That is a fascinating business development. You rarely hear the starting as a specialty course within CrossFit kind of spun out when the specialty courses became independent. And we'll, we'll talk about your continued work with CrossFit. It's not like you're not working with CrossFit in, in a significant capacity, capacity now. Spun off into a separate company and now becoming a nonprofit. That's a really... like You don't hear many business people in fitness or otherwise having that sort of trajectory. And I think that's an exemplification of how you all are keeping your eyes on the prize, which is making adaptability more of a priority for the community, kind of whatever whatever it takes. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, all, all of us specialty courses, you know, the gymnastics course, which used to be the CrossFit special course gymnastics, and I know Bergner's weightlifting course, I know they're all doing great. And that's a testament to, you know, how great of a course they are already providing. So we just all needed to figure out how to run our own registrations, you know, take care of all the admin that CrossFit was doing for us. And that, that was really the only separation, the, the difference when we um, separated from CrossFit. But we are, we are not separate by any means. I mean, technically we are, but we are all the staff members are all true CrossFitters, right? We all, you know, Kevin Ogar, you know, Kevin Ogar had his injury doing a, a competition um, and then ended up using CrossFit as his rehab, uh, ended up opening his own affiliate, which he still runs CrossFit Watchtower in Denver, Colorado. Um, Kevin earned his way onto level one staff, level two seminar staff. And now he's the regional rep for, uh, I think it's Nevada, Colorado, and that whole Western Midwest region of affiliates. And, um, same thing for me, at the same time we created the, the, the specialty course, uh, I got an invite to, to earn my way on the level one staff and I did so. So I still, I, I teach level one seminars and I'm very proud to be on the level one, uh, red shirt staff. Um, and, uh, I know you alluded to it earlier, but our team has, is the driving force that created the adaptive divisions for CrossFit competitions. We don't have an official title within CrossFit, but anything, anything adaptive or inclusive by nature in CrossFit, you know, they, they come to us um, for guidance and consulting or whatever they need to make things right. I, I think at this point with the exp- combined experience that your team brings, they'd be kind of stupid not to, uh, <laughs> yeah. not to come to you all first. That'd be a little bit of a bad, of a, of a bad move for a lot of reasons. Well, now there's, I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the community that have been doing adaptive fitness, right. And adaptive CrossFit specifically, you know, that have come either before us or have been doing it simultaneously, you know, and we owe them, everybody out there, a lot of credit. We're, we're one big team, one big community. And I, you know, I, I would love for anybody out there listening who's, involved in any type of adaptive or inclusive fitness, if you want to try to help us make our education better or competition better, um, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to learn from you and gather your knowledge. Um, I'm by no means the, the smartest person in any room, but I think my superpower is knowing that and knowing that I can uh, lean on other people and try to digest it and make it uh, make whatever your education is, your experiences, um, make it uh, into little bits to then educate and put it out to the community. So I'm just an amalgamator and then just spitting it back out to everybody else. That is the first time anyone has at least correctly used the term amalgamator on this podcast. So I'll give you, I'll give you that. Congratulations. You're also stealing my line. I'm the one who says I'm never the smartest person in the room on this oh. podcast. Man, you're making it. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
let's let's talk a little bit if you if you don't mind. I'm curious because at, at Barbin, we don't just cover CrossFit, we cover a wide array of strength sports. And as time goes on, we're covering more and more, right? We started with weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit strongman. We cover moss wrestling these days. We cover more kettlebell sport. I mean, the, the world of strength competition and strength-related competition is broader than, I guess, kind of our American-centric view. It's not just what's popular here in the U.S. right now. Have you all um, made any inroads with or done any work to partner with uh, other strength sports governing bodies and institutions kind of outside of the CrossFit space? Yeah, so we we are reaching out to some and, and you know, CrossFit, Fit is the sport of anything and everything. So, right. So, if you're thinking about it, we we really need to be in tune with what weightlifting is doing and what powerlifting is doing, um, gymnastics is doing. You know, everything from running, swimming, cycling, all of those. Um, we need to be uh, touching base and seeing how those sports are developing as far as you know training and in competition. Um, we have a close relationship with the powerlifting, um, because of Kevin Ogar, Kevin Ogar was on the powerlifting team for a little bit. Um, and he represented team USA in a couple of meets. Um, I know a lot of the athletes, including Logan Aldridge, who's on our team. Um, he competed in a couple of Spartan races and Spartan has done a couple adaptive races, specific, specific adaptive races. Um, Right now, I'm I'm in New York City, uh, helping the Veterans Administration. They put on a huge event for veterans who are in wheelchairs every year, and they do a powerlifting event. So there's a, a, a an adaptive powerlifting event, as well as we added adaptive fitness um, this year too. But um, you know, I I would love to see. There's a couple things I'd like to see happen specifically. I would love to see uh, Olympic weightlifting develop some standards and classification um, for. Uh, adaptive athletes. Um, and that could be starting with, you know, single point of contact, you know, upper extremity, and then working with some lower extremity, maybe above the knee and below the knee athletes um, to develop some standards and classification. You know, we could even go so far as to adding and figuring out how to do some um, seated athlete um, cleans or snatches as well. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see powerlifting, you know, right now powerlifting is only bench press. But I think we could figure out a way to also do uh, deadlift. You know, there's there's a seated deadlift. We can figure that out. We can we can find ways for upper extremity and lower extremity athletes, neuromuscular athletes, to all do some form of a deadlift and make it uh, fair. Um, the same thing, you know, same thing we do in CrossFit. You know, that's the the challenge really in CrossFit is you know if we can figure it out to make it somewhat inclusive and have a wide wide pool of athletes competing and to make it fair then these other sports should definitely be able to figure that out because it's it's a smaller little portion of what CrossFit is, right? So we may have an event in CrossFit that has, you know, a snatch, a, uh, you know, there was a snatch, a rope climb, some type of cycling, uh, you know, all of these different modalities in one, and we had to figure out some way to make it fair. So I would love to work with any organization and try to come up with standards, classification systems, you know, and, and borrow each other's knowledge to to make all sports adaptive and inclusive. That would really be that would be amazing, right? Um, that would give that would give people who are just daily fitness training outlets to you know express their fitness. Um, you know, that's what really what CrossFit is in the competition sense is just an outlet to express your fitness. Well, maybe not everybody wants to be a CrossFitter. Maybe they want to lift heavy things and do powerlifting or you know Olympic weightlifting. So let's find some ways for them to have a fair way to compete against their like peers. 
I love how you bring that up. It's it's an expression of the fitness and the training that you might be doing. And and, and look, I mean, CrossFit will be is is one example. They're a business that has been had to be very clear. Like we are not just the CrossFit Games. In fact, most of the business has nothing to do with the CrossFit Games. But the visible competition aspects of these different sports. It's a motivating factor. It's something that helps build community. And it's the best marketing tool that these sports and training modalities have, right? Because they see people at all levels, elite, uh, masters, you name it, right? Uh, Beginners. Having those competitions as kind of like a signpost or or marketing really for, for your sport. I mean, that's the best way to get the word out about that training modality, even if most of the work is happening in the local gyms, the garage gyms, you know, at the local day to day training level. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, this year we had over a thousand, over a thousand athletes, uh, register for the open in CrossFit, which is amazing. Um, a thousand, then, over a thousand adaptive athletes, just to total. Yeah. Adapt- total. Adapt- a thousand adaptive athletes register for the open. Um, and then, uh, in the games, CrossFit decided to invite uh, three of the eight divisions. And I think that was based on registration participation. Um, and so we only had 30, we were supposed to be 30 athletes, but one guy couldn't make it. So we had 29 in the games but there was over a thousand in the open and you know, that's only, those are only people that registered that also were able to um, be classified through eligibility to compete as well. So, you know, the number of true of adaptive athletes participating in daily CrossFit training, you know, I would say is probably 10 to 20 X of what the open registrations were. Um, and so, you know, the competition is just one part of it. Really uh, what we want to do for at adaptive training Academy um, is make sure that the gyms, the, our affiliates, and, and any gym that even if you're not in a CrossFit affiliate, uh, help you prepare your trainers to work with people with disabilities and make sure your space, uh, your physical space is accessible and, and it's an inclusive type of space. And also your digital space, something that people don't think about, your, your web presence, your social media is also accessible to all different types of people with abilities. So that's what we really want is to make you be prepared to work with like I said, anybody who walks or rolls into your door, right? Let's make sure that you are prepared. You may not have the experience, but now you can either then know, okay, I had a spinal cord injury come in and they are, you know, a T10, a thoracic level 10 spinal cord injury. You may not have any clue what that means, but then you can lean on the knowledge that maybe we already provided you and the the quick reference guides that we're going to be able to provide you so that you can now be prepared to work with that athlete. So that, that's a really our goal is to, to make gyms more inclusive and, and not be so scared to work with people with disabilities. You know, there's, there's a huge fear factor when it comes to, you know, any trainer. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing either. And half time I'm like, Hey, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to push you too hard, but I also want to push you enough that you got to work out, right. Find that sweet spot. And it, um, it, it, it can be challenging, but I do always tell our trainers, especially at seminars, you know, uh, myself, Kevin Ogar, Logan Aldridge, who are on our seminar staff, uh, Chris Stoutenberg, uh, none of us have any any degrees or advanced certifications, what have you, in exercise physiology or anatomy or anything that would be pertinent to maybe working with people with disabilities. All we have, though, is our years and years of experience and hands-on trial and error and a really good feedback loop with our athletes and saying, hey, you know, how does this feel? Do you, how was that workout? Did you get this type of challenge? Right. Did they finish at about the same time domain as everybody else in the class? Right. Was it effective? Did they actually feel the muscle groups that we wanted to work work? 
you know, one of, one of the examples we always do in our seminars, and I hope I don't give away too much people show up, but <laughs> we, we have, we have people do a seated row. Uh, so like they're, they're mimicking being in a wheelchair and they're using the rower and we have them row without using their hip, no hip flexion or extensions. You can't lean forward or back essentially just turns it into an arm, an arm movement. And when you row like that, you just get a severe bicep pump, which is amazing. It's, you know, great bicep pump, but you don't feel any of the cardiovascular uh, respiratory challenge that you would feel if you're doing a full standing body um, rowing. And it's not the same stimulus at all. And so we give them an experience so they know, oh, okay, even though this looks like rowing, it's not the same stimulus at all. So I need to figure out a better way to challenge a seated athlete who's only using their arms and shoulders to do cardio versus somebody who's a standing athlete to do their cardio. I think it's a really something that you've referenced before in conversations we've just had one-on-one. A lot of the principles that you're teaching, it's not just improving people's ability to coach adaptive athletes. It's improving their ability to coach anyone. Because these questions that you're asking, are people getting the proper stimulus? Are they are are the scales or the adaptations a coach is giving any athlete for a workout such that the intended stimulus is being received for that workout. This is true for an athlete who's completely able-bodied, but maybe under-trained or untrained or newer, as it is for you know, an athlete who might have some, might have a disability or might need some other adaptations. One thing that I know that you all are, are you're, you're a pretty humble guy, but uh, I would guess that taking um, a certification and, and taking uh, and learning content and going through content you all produce is going to help people be more aware of how to coach just about any athlete. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's extremely true. And that's what, that's what I was getting at and saying that um, anybody can do what we're doing. I, I want people to know that um, if you're a thoughtful, caring coach, you can coach adaptive athletes 100%. Uh, we would love to give you some baseline knowledge and help you not have to go through years of trial and errors. <laughs> That's what we've done and worked with medical professionals to make sure you can train athletes safely. So we'll make sure you um, touch people appropriately. You don't do things you shouldn't do to cause injuries. We'll worry. We'll teach you things that, you know, your skin irritations and overheating, and you'll know all these precautions ahead of time. Um, but then really it's just figuring it out, right? It's just knowing what's going to be the best workout for that person. It doesn't matter if you're adaptive or able-bodied, like you said, that um, the challenge really is you got 10 people in your class and they range from like teenager to, you know, 60 year old and from collegiate athlete to just started training last week. Um, you know, a good coach is going to be able to make sure everybody in that class has an individualized workout. Um, something I, I coach and run my programs out of Invictus now because I closed my gym uh, in 2018 to focus on running ATA. And something I got from Invictus and the coaches there was, um, we like to try to use the word customize as much as possible versus versus scaling or adapting. Um, because really everybody in the class is going to have a customized workout. What's on the whiteboard is a suggestion. It's a, that's your base. And then everybody should have something off of that base, right? So there may be maybe out of 10 people, two or three that are actually doing the prescribed workout and load and calories or repetitions you know, everybody else should be doing some alteration to a movement, a range of motion, you know, reduction, a different piece of equipment from dump, you know, barbell to dumbbell or something like that. So you're going to apply the same thing to adaptive athletes. So you're, you're correct. If you do take our education, you will become a far better coach. And I think it just opens your eyes uh, to understanding, Hey, here's my stimulus. This is what I'm intending this person to get out of my workout today. And how do I apply that to anybody? Right. Now you have this athlete has a special needs or, 
you know, has an amputated arm or leg or is using a wheelchair, no big deal. Let's figure it out. You know, it's like you just get uh, be be very creative, be thoughtful and and talk to the person and and you can do it. And if a coach is hesitant to customize a workout or they say, oh, that's I can't do that. I'm, I, I don't have the knowledge base to do that or I don't want to do that. Those are all red flags, by the way, for, oh, yeah. for any coach, just for anyone listening. You know, I, I mean, there are there are times when, you know, somebody comes up and and they're asking questions or whatever. And the coach is appropriately can appropriately say, hey, just do it. Like, I, you know, like I don't want to hear it. Just do it. Maybe they're complaining about having you burpees or running when they just don't like running. But if you have a coach that's just like, hey, do what I say, you know, don't, you shouldn't alter anything, you know, they they should probably look a little bit deeper. You should be asking questions. Um, I think a thoughtful coach should always be able to explain what the stimulus is. They should always be able to tell you why you're doing something, you know, and sometimes the reason is just, hey, you're going to, you're going to do some grunt work. You're going to suffer. You're going to do burpees. <laughs> you're going to do devil presses or whatever it may be, or, hey, you, you just need to run because we haven't run this far in, in a long time. And I just want to see that you can make it at that distance. That's perfectly fine, but the the coach should be able to give you a a very thoughtful reason why you're doing a movement and an exercise, a certain rep scheme, a weight, whatever it may be. Um, that that should be happening. Well, Alec, uh, I really appreciate this this insight into what ATA is is doing today. I know there's a lot more to come. Where's the best place for people to follow along with the work you all are doing to learn more, potentially sign up for a, a course, or just you know kind of stay up to date with with the latest developments? Yeah, definitely. Um, our website is www.ata.fit. That's a great URL. I love that URL. Short and simple. You know, we used to be. Um, we used to be adaptive training academy.com. And the amount of times that I just misspelled that because we're <laughs> typing it fast. And so many people try to email me and then it's such a long URL. So eventually got ata.fit. Um, and so, uh, yeah, check that out the website. Um, you can find us. We're very active on Instagram. It's just at adaptive training, uh, on Facebook, uh, adaptive training academy. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about how you can get involved, um, we are starting an affiliate program for our nonprofit when we get that nonprofit status and hopefully when we get some funding. So if there's any, any funders out there that would love to donate to our cause, we would love to have some funding. Um, we uh, are going to be standing up ATA affiliates and affiliates will be gyms that are, that we make sure are accessible. So make sure your facility is accessible. Um, and then you have, you have to have at least one trainer there with our education. Uh, we'll provide you extra resources and guidance, and then we'll list you as an ATA affiliate so that you can start, um, athletes can start finding you or people that have never trained before start finding you for your gym. Um, and we will then be able to provide you those affiliates with grant funding for equipment or grant funding for your programs or for memberships. So look for that coming out soon. Um, you can go ahead on the website already and, and, and fill out your information just to be notified when that application window comes available. Awesome. Alec, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to catch up. And I really appreciate the deep dive today. Talk to you later. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much.